of uh, just do so, then I'll read you one verse from the book of Proverbs where we began this series on the house that wisdom builds. The house that wisdom builds. We've been contrasting this thought of the wise man and the foolish man. And last Sunday we looked and seen the house that wisdom builds endures. Thank God the house that wisdom builds. Talking about those two foundations. And the man that heeds the word of God builds on the solid rock. And the one that does not heed builds on the shifting sand. And uh, it fell and great was the fall of it. Then we looked last Sunday night on the house that wisdom build educates. It's our job to educate our children. And uh, we looked at that. This morning, with the help of God, we want to look at the house that exemplifies or is the example. Proverbs 24.3 said, Through wisdom is a house building, and by understanding it is established. Psalms 112 and verse 1, Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Let's go to the throne of grace and ask the Lord to help us this morning. I want to ask Brother George Brown to please pray. Amen. You can be seated. Allow me to say from the very beginning, there are no perfect homes. Truth be told, we all have failed in many times in different areas. However, when we look at the whole, wisdom builds a house. That is a good example. Not only to those that live within the house, but to those outside of the house. Are you listening? Somebody is watching you. Somebody is watching your family. Somebody is watching your house. And if it is a house that wisdom is building, a house that has a testimony, believe it or not, you gave a testimony this morning. Probably didn't think much about it, but you got ready, got in the car, came to the house of God, you became a testimony to those that live around you. I used to live in Valdez and we had this uh, lady that lived up above us. Uh, she, she knew every time I walked across the road. Amen. I believe she spied on us 24-7. But one thing she also knew. She knew on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, we were going to the house of God. She knew that. And it makes a statement. And it makes an impact on those who see it. But perhaps it makes no greater impact than those children 
that sat with us in the pews. You may think because they're small, they don't know, they don't recognize. But it's amazing, it's amazing how much they do recognize what's important to you, what's important in your life, what you're living for, what has priority, if you will. And they recognize it very quickly and very early. Now, of course, even those that are lost, the psalmist said in one twelve ten, the wicked shall see it and shall be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away the desire of the wicked shall perish. The wicked can even see the house that wisdom builds and it affects them how they live. So this morning, let's look at three things that I believe that the house that wisdom builds exemplifies if you will, is an example too. First of all, it will exemplify the fear of God. Psalms 112.1, Praise ye the Lord, blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. Psalms 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Good understanding of all they that do his commandments his praise endureth forever. Proverbs 1, 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and understanding. Proverbs 1, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but a fool despises wisdom and instruction. Uh, Proverbs 9, 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Years ago, I don't, I don't know if they're still popular, I don't think so, but years ago there was a slogan that was put on t-shirts and everything around said, fear not, or no fear, it said no fear. Oh, I want you to know we ought to fear the Lord, not in a sense of shaking or fearful from that sense, but it's a fear of reverence and honor to God. It is a fear that recognizes He's holy and worthy of our worship and He's worthy of our reverence. A fear of God. In Proverbs chapter 9, there are five instructions He gives us Concerning the wisdom or the foolish. First of all, he said, don't reprove or rebuke a mocker, someone who is unteachable and filled with pride. Proverbs 9, he said, reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee. Truth of the matter is, the Lord said this in Matthew 7, 6, Give not that which is holy to the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under the feet and turn again and rend you. A scorner would despise the message and the messenger because has no fear. Many people reject wisdom and a scorner 
mocker. He says you can't help them. Just, they'll, they'll reject everything you have to say. Second, he said rebuke only the wise. Rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. I want to ask you a question this morning. Everybody look this way, please. Everybody look this way. Can you be instructed? Can someone teach you something? Can you be helped? Will you take instruction from others? The Bible says this. Rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. He'll embrace the truth wisdom wants to give him. Number three, instruct the wise and he'll become wiser. Give instruction to a wise man and he will yet be wiser. A wise man is grateful for instruction or, or, or very willing to say, uh, I want to I wanna learn, I want to grow. I, I want you to help me to grow. Have you arrived? I haven't forgot what I'm going to say. I won't let that soak in. Have you arrived? It's amazing how many times people are uh, the, the house that wisdom builds one that fears God and has enough reverence for God that can be taught. The saddest place you'll ever get in your life is when you get where you're unteachable. And I have met a lot of people that's unteachable. You hear stuff like this. Oh, I already know that. I, I know that. I know that. You don't need to tell me. I know that. You're unteachable. Oh, I, I got position in the world. I know more than you do. You're unteachable. The truth of the matter is, everybody can teach us something. And we would do well to learn what that is. Everybody we come in contact with, wisdom's building a house that fears the Lord. Instruct the wise and you become wiser. Teach the righteous and he will seek to learn even more. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. A righteous person is someone that's always teachable always learning, always growing, always desiring. Boy, it starts with a good fear of the Lord. Then we got to know where the beginning part of that wisdom is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fearing, trusting, knowing. I believe there's nothing greater. I believe there's nothing greater that we need is God's people a good fear of the Lord in our life. We have no fear of sin. And the reason we don't fear sin is we think we got it hid. The Bible says, be sure your sins will find you out. I, I, I love this, men... Me and Darlene have always played this, and, and we tell our grandchildren this. 
We tell them, we, we pray. Well, if you sin, we're, we're praying God will drop the covers off that and he'll be known. Why? Because sin is destructive. Sin destroys and is destructive. And the fear of God brings wisdom. And it starts with a good fear of God. Realizing. I, I, I love one of the goodest, one of the best ways to know if you're saved. One of the greatest ways to know if you're saved is whenever you do wrong, God convicts you. How many of you can, you can't get by with nothing? Amen. I mean, God just ride my britches off half the time. I, I, I just can't get by with a thing. I need to think something bad and it won't be long I'll, I'll be uh, doing something and God will say, now what were you thinking like that for? You know that ain't right. You know, you know that's not the way you ought to be thinking. I'm being thinking about something and God bring conviction. You know why? Because I'm saved and I got a fear of God. So, oh God, forgive me. I don't want to think that way. The truth of the matter is the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. When we lose the fear and the reverence and an awe and a worship of God, we are making the first steps. We're making the first steps of getting in a mess and destroying a house. The house that wisdom builds is a house that fears God. Do you have a fear of God? Do you have a fear of God? Trust in knowing the Lord. It's a knowledge of the Holy One. Amen. Number two, it will exemplify the fear of God. Number two, it will exemplify the favor of God. Psalms 112, we find the favor of God. Notice what the favor of God brings. Sometimes we may call it a blessing. It may have a different name, but it's the favor of God. First of all, it brings a blessing. Notice in verse number one. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. It brings a blessing. Every human being here this morning and every human being on earth desires one thing. They desire to be happy. That's what that word blessed means. It means to be happy. Actually, it means be happy, happy, happy. Yet, it's amazing. People look for it in all the wrong places. When people begin to seek happiness, this morning, if it be okay, I won't take my coat off. It is a little bit warm this morning. That'd be okay. I don't usually do that, but man, I'm about to uh, have spontaneous combustion up here. Amen. And I, I just want to poof and puff of smoke. It's hot. And uh, everybody wants to be happy. There's not a person here. There's not a young person. There's not, there's not none of our, our, our young people here this morning that doesn't want to be happy. 
Lord, how many times have I heard this said that God wants me to be happy, Donnie? The problem is, we look for happiness in all the wrong places. And amazingly, people spend their entire life chasing empty things that never bring true happiness. The Word of God gives us a man He's called the preacher, Solomon. He wrote Ecclesiastes. And we have a record, we literally have a record of a man that saw happiness in everything you could imagine. He saw satisfaction in education. Man, if I can get an education... I'll be happy. And ain't nothing wrong with education. Besides, I find it so he got the best education. He saw happiness in knowledge. But if I gain knowledge, I'm going to be happy. Boy, he saw it in worldly pleasures. And oh, did he, did he chase worldly pleasures. He saw happiness in wealth. And my, was he wealthy. Possessions, power, self-indulgence, even hard work. He, he tried women, wine, uh, wickedness. He tried everything you can imagine. And Ecclesiastes 2.17, this is what he said. Therefore I hated life. Therefore, I hated life. In the end, Solomon astounds the world by declaring that only one thing can bring true and lasting joy. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. Some of you are, are chasing as hard as you can. Trinkets, toys, pleasure, good time, this, 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 and this. Only to find in the end just one more thing. Just one more thing. Notice what the wise men, the preacher said. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments for this is the whole duty of man. You hear what I said? Fear God and keep His commandments. You want to be happy? Fear God and keep His commandments. Amen. You say, well, that will I bring? Yes, Bible says it'll bring happiness. Conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. Everything else is futile. The wise man, the wise man, and wisdom builds a house that has the favor of God because it's blessed. Boy, true happiness. True happiness. I was mowing grass yesterday. And I was just thinking about God and all that He is and all that He's done in our life. And I just had myself a fit. 
I mean, I just praise God. It is so, there's a joy in, in giving God His rightful place and rightful, just, just being right with God that nothing else can take the place of it. It's a genuine happiness. May I say it brings a blessing. Not only that, it brings a brightness. Unto the upright, Psalms 1, 12, 4, there ariseth light in the darkness. One day, I worked at Hickory Chair Company. And um, I run a fishing room. And um, all the lights was out. And uh, I was back, walking back through the department. And somebody had left all these ottomans out in the middle of the way. And the lights was out. And here I went, end over end, stumbling, falling over all them stupid ottomans in there. Because it was dark and I couldn't see. When I turned the light on, I could see what the problem was. But as long as I was in darkness... I couldn't. See, a lot of people are stumbling through life in darkness just like an ungodly lost man. He has light in the darkness. We're living in a dark world and getting darker by the day. And our light in a dark world is a special blessing for those who are saved. We know where we are and where we're going. But Jesus said, John 8, 12, Then spake Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of light. Let me help you. One of the, one of the challenges, I suppose, a pastor. And I, I love pastoring. This is not complaint. I love pastoring. I do. But one of the challenges it is, as you look over the congregation of people, God gives you the privilege to be a pastor. And you see them doing things. And you know how it's going to turn out. You know where it leads it's not because I know more than anybody else. It's because I've seen it play out over and over and over again. And trust me, you'll not be the exception. I watch as the world steals the heart away from, of God out of people's lives. I watch that. And I've seen that. And it brings a challenge to my heart. And I begin to pray for them. And I say, God, let them, let them see where that's leading. Where that's leading. I watch as, as God's people start selling out God's day. One Sunday, then two, then three. Then pretty soon they're out of church altogether. Then their marriage and their homes in a mess. And I'm wondering, oh God, could they not see? Could they not see where that leads? I watch, I've been here long enough. I pastored long enough. 
I pastor long enough now to watch these little kids, little big kids, grow up to be teenage kids. And I see some of them don't love God. They don't care for the things of God. But then I watched mom and dad. The Sunday night, Wednesday night wasn't important. And now they're teenage kids. It's not important to them. And many times, their lives are wrecked and scarred. And you see, and I, I, I sometimes wonder, God, can't they see? Can't they see? The truth of the matter is, sometimes I wonder if they have the light or they're just in darkness. John 3, 19 says, This is a condemnation that light has come to the world. Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. 2 Corinthians 6, 4, all you young people need to listen to this. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? The two light and darkness cannot be in the same space and to get one's going the light will overpower darkness well the darkness will overpower light Colossians 1.13 who had delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 you're all children of light and the children of the day we are not of the night nor of the darkness Brings a brightness to your life. I believe it's a brightness that lost people around you ought to be seeing that. that that's, it's a brightness. By the way, it, it, it exemplifies the favor of God. Do people see the favor of God? There's something drastically wrong. There's something drastically wrong when you're with someone and they're sinning and you join them in their sin. Something's drastically wrong. There's no light. And you may be kidding yourself. You just may not be saved. You may not be saved. You know what I said? You may not be saved. If you're with darkness and are lost and you're alive, those two should be separate. It's a natural separation. It's a natural. And if you can enjoy the darkness, then I've got to ask you and love you enough to say, have you got the light? Are you uncomfortable? We, uh, this is our, this is my, um, conviction. It don't have to be yours. Just mine and Darlene's. I don't eat anywhere where they sell alcohol. We don't eat at a restaurant where they sell alcohol. And that's our conviction. I'm not trying to get you to do that. That's our conviction. And, um, well, years ago, we went with a group to California. And I'm telling you, it didn't take long for us to figure out we was in the wrong place. 
I ain't so sure when he needs supper in a bar. And when he's in California, when he's in a man, when he's out there all by in a mess. But I, but I recognized quickly we were in the wrong place. We were out of place. And if you can be in place where there's sin, then something's drastically wrong. You've got your light, you've got your light so darkened that nobody can see it. Boy, our light ought to shine when we walk in the room for safe. And there's the lost people. That light ought to so shine that everybody says, what does he have? What's different about that person? What's different? It ought to be seen. It ought to be seen. How many, look up. How many sees them lights? They're not hiding themselves. Number three, it brings a bounty. Not only it brings a blessing, a brightness, but a bounty. He had dispersed, he had given to the poor. His righteousness endureth forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. God will bless his life with a bountiful. Notice his concern. He had dispersed and given to the poor. The very essence of practical godliness is when you see people that have a need, time out! People that have a cell phone and two cars don't really have too much of a need. man called me one time and said, uh, would you help me pay my light bill? I, I said, well, do you have a cell phone? Yeah. I said, what's your cell phone bill? $280 a month. I said, well, son, how's your light bill? He said, if I do away with my cell phone, my son will beat me up. I thought to myself, Lord God, he ought to beat you up. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, and I said, uh, it was ridiculous. Uh, a lot of people say they got a need, but they, they got cell phones, they got cars, they got everything else, got cable. You know how you really don't have a need. Your priority just out of sorts. Amen. Boy, at night, I wouldn't advise this, but you may need to do this. Our girls will remember this. Years ago, years ago, uh, I got a phone bill, $50. I took the phone off the wall, took it back to the phone company, said, when we get enough sense to use this thing, I'll get it back. But I, but I left it there. We didn't have a phone for a year. I know some of you would die if you lost your cell phone, but I'm going to tell you, if you have a need, if you, you have a need bad enough, you can, how many knows you can live without a cell phone? I mean, those we'd probably be better off if we didn't have them. Amen. Bible says, if truly need, but James 2.14, who hath, who, what doth it profit my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be destitute, be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye one and feel, notwithstanding you give them that, those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? The truth of the matter is, if whenever God says the house of wisdom builds has the favor of God, and it'll have you, you'll be concerned about those around you. Millions are starving across this world. As a matter of fact, countless Christian agencies specialize in relieving the hungry. Let me, let me say this.
Let me say this. You need to go to a third world country to appreciate the United States. I went into Mexico in a mission. Everybody's selling. You steal that away. Everybody's selling. Boy, I'm going to take kids. Everybody's selling. You know why? Because they're trying to survive. Trying to survive. The truth of the matter is, we're very blessed. House of Wisdom has the favor of God, has compassion. His righteousness endureth forever. It's where we get our word piety means. It means to refers to godliness, to reverence for God. A person whose great devotion to God is pious. As it is written, he had dispersed abroad, he had given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. Then his capacity, notice, his horn shall be exalted with honor. Horn epitomized strength, power in the Bible. Means he's got influence, authority, weight, weight, sway, influence. House of Wisdom Bills exemplifies the fear of God, it exemplifies the favor of God, and it exemplifies the fervency of God. Wisdom hath built her house. She has hewn out seven pillars. Seven is a number for dedication, commitment, and a strong desire. Let me say this. There's nothing greater. There's nothing greater than for Solid Rock Baptist Church. Nothing greater for your family and for your home is, I'm just going to be blunt, we need a revival of men that's got a backbone that will lead their families. I'm talking about not hit and miss on and off, but committed, faithful, dedicated to the things of God. We are dying as a nation in need of some men that will just step up and lead their families. I'm convinced of that more than I've ever been. Now, I know sometimes ladies have to do that, and I, I applaud you, and I praise God for you. By the way, you ladies that has a husband that will lead, you ought to praise God for them. You ought to rejoice in them. You ought to, you ought to, be, ought to help them. And sometimes ladies have to, and I understand that. But all we're dying for the lack of dedication and commitment and a strong desire to just worship God. Number seven is a type of completion and perfection. Second Chronicles, the queen of Sheba, come and saw Solomon. He built a house that wisdom built. And she said, I, I'm just going to come and see for myself. I've heard, but I'm going to come and see for myself. What kind of house it is. Notice what 
she saw, she saw his abode. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon and the house he had builded. Your home, are you listening? Your home is a testimony to those people around you. It's a testimony to your family. It's a witness for God. It's a testimony. Is your home, did people drive by your house? My neighbor told me one night, Ain't nobody has to go to church as much as you do. I said, I do. Praise God. He went to church. They, they, they robbed my building of everything. Guess when they done it? On Sunday morning. You know why? Because they knew I wouldn't be there. Now I'll get them on camera. Shoot them later. In the name of Jesus. Does your, do people around you, do people in our church, do people in your pew look at you and say, man, I tell you, that, that's a, that family love, loves God. Or do they look at your family and wonder, well, I wonder if they'll be at church tonight. I wonder if they'll be here Wednesday night. I wonder what the devil can buy God's day for. Notice his appetite. Second Chronicles 9, and the meat of his table, and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, his cupbearers also, and their apparel, and his accent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. There was, there was no more spirit in her. She said, I watched what your, your appetite was. You may think you you may think it's you may think I'm kidding you, but it's not. But you would be shocked at the kids in Patch Club request prayer for their mom and dad. You'd be shocked. And guess what? They know what's important to you. You know why I won't make it important to my children and my grandchildren? I want the things of God, the house of God, and Jesus to be important to them. Matthew 4, 4, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Notice their attendance. The ministers, way they went on, she, she watched all of these people around her. She watched how they came in. Their attendance. I'm faithful. Any important if I'm there tonight and Wednesday it's important. Because there's somebody watching you. It's important. Notice the accent to the house of God. The way Solomon went to church. The way Solomon went to church impressed the queen. It's amazing. And the Bible says, and there was no more spirit in her. She she was just beside herself. 
She didn't know what else to do. No more spirit. But the way we attend church, exemplified to the world, a life of wisdom and fear of God. Psalms 112, 110, it says that the wicked shall see it and be grieved. Said Chronicles 9, 3 and 4, it said that when she saw the house that wisdom had built, there was no more spirit in her. Literally, 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 she said, wow. House of wisdom builds. It's a house of example. Now I'm done. I want you, I want you just give me one more minute. I want you to look down the aisle pew you're sitting on. You are an example to the people around you. Your example to your children, first of all. Your example to your wife, your husband. Your example to everyone around you. Not only us. We're an example to our community. Example. I've told people for years, if you got my church sign on the front card, please don't stop the ABC store. Please don't stop the ABC store. I don't want you to stop the ABC store and, and the sign on the front. I'm a member of Solid Rock Baptist Church. <laughs> See me in Sunday school. <laughs> I'd just rather you not just take the sign off. We're a witness on our jobs. We're a witness in our homes. And how set wisdom build is an example. Are you an example on your job, people around you? Because one day, we will give an account for that. Now, of course, we can't be an example of that if you're lost. How can you be an example of that? I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. If you can sin, it don't bother you, it don't concern you, then there's something wrong. You need, you need to do some checking up. If you don't love the house of God, the things of God, you need to check. You need to get real honest and check up where you're at with the Lord. If if, if you don't love the house, the things of God, you need to check up. Because the truth of the matter is, how can you be a witness to those on outside if you ain't got a witness on the inside? Praise God, no, I'm saved. I'm so thrilled I'm saved. And I don't care if you're a church member. I don't care if you've been saved. If you think you've been saved like in 30 years this morning, the Holy Ghost shows you you're lost, do business with Him because eternity is too long to be lost. Amen? What kind of example are we? What kind of house are we building? So stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed.